0: journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, The Piano Ain't Got No Wrong Notes. I'm going to talk a little bit about how I came to play the piano and some of the influences along the way. This podcast from The Long Road is about our music as a band, our writing, our stories, our anecdotes, interesting people we meet along the way and who knows what else. Uh, My name is Chris Lydon and I seem to be hosting The Thing and so this is episode four. Huge thanks to everyone who's listened to the first three episodes. They're all up on SoundCloud and iTunes to listen to. So if you're starting off here at episode four, uh, by all means head back through to the earlier episodes as well. Uh, episode one was a chat with Steve Bonham, the chief instigator of The Long Road, about his travels and his new book, A Beautiful Broken Dream episode two was with kev moore a bass player and songwriter with the long road he was talking about american music influences and picking out some of the examples of songs that he's written or co-written for the new albums Um, episode three was john humphreys talking about all things banjo and playing some snippets from the new albums uh, which highlight the banjo, the sort of classic American instrument. Um, so it was almost inevitable that episode four was going to fall to me. Um, there were four of us in the long run, and I'm the last one. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about piano playing, some of my influences along the way, uh, some of the tracks on the albums that are, that are really up there for me. They're really my favourite bits from the albums. Um, so if you enjoy listening to the snippets of the songs that I put in this, remember that the two albums, The Girl with the Rattlesnake Heart, and Reliance are both available from vagabondphilosopher.com You can buy them as digital downloads or as limited edition vinyls. Um, So, for now I am going to hand over to well, myself. Enjoy! (laughs) Ain't got no wrong notes. That was Thelonious Monk who said that. He's a a jazz pianist and composer, uh, quietly and perhaps not so quietly, um, subversive in his progression of the genre in terms of piano playing and jazz composing. Uh, And he said that in response to some, you know, guest expert who said he, Monk, created extraordinary music in spite of playing the wrong notes on the piano. Uh, and Monk's response is just perfect to me. The piano ain't got no wrong notes. Um, it's, 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 I feel like it's true, but to be fair, only a master craftsman could claim it, really. Um, so, a bit about me. I started playing piano when I was little. Uh, I think I must have been around about six years old. I've got vague recollections of finding an old notebook, little, little thing with a red cover uh, from my teacher, which had the date, you know... Something, something, some day, some month, dot ninety in it. Um, so it must have been around about six. Um, uh, my dad played piano brilliantly, um, and all my older siblings, bar one, um, were playing the piano too. So there was generally a sense of playing the piano is a good thing around around the house. And I was, I'd like to think I was super keen, but only up to a point. I can't really exactly remember what point it was, but sadly, I became an utter, utter menace about my dogged desire to no longer have piano lessons. Um, have you ever tried putting a... You know if you've got to take a cat to the vet and you've got to put them in their cat basket? Well, I was literally like that. All four limbs pushed against the car door frames so that they couldn't force me in there to go to piano lessons. Anyway, long story short, eventually when I was a, a young teenager, I think... Um, My parents acquiesced, and uh, I stopped having piano lessons. Um, But at that point, the magic for me happened. I was suddenly able to allow to play the piano because I wanted to play it, not because I had to practice or because I had a grade exam or whatever else to prepare for. I could play because I wanted to play. Um, When I was around 13 or 14, I think, I'd watched my older brother play piano in the school show, production of Joseph, and I was playing tuba uh, in the band. There was actually a tuba part. Um, and I thought that, that was pretty neat, but it was, you know, that piano part was pretty prescribed. You had to play the notes that were on the page, essentially. Um, and then next year, the school was doing a production of Greece, And the music teacher asked me if I would play the piano. Um, and looking back, I think it's a bit of a watershed moment for me, really. Um, Greece. It was, a, it was a 1970s musical set in 1950s America the rock and roll era, and, uh, and suddenly I was, I was allowed, even expected, to make it up. I had a, I had a flip through the piano part that I arrived at school and there were barely any notes in it. I mean, just loads of slashes and chords and suggestions and things. Um, I mean, how exciting I thought. I mean, looking back now, I can see why it resonated so much with me. Not being told what to do, having some freedom but still being able to contribute to that bigger picture and making that better than the sum of its parts. Now, that, the older me now sees the appeal of that. Um, if you've ever seen the musical Grease, it's great fun on stage and on film. Um, even the 10 or 15-year time gap between it being actually written in the early 70s and the year it was set, in the late 50s, um, this the sort of became a, a gentle pastiche to some of the music, Uh I think, a sterilisation of some of the murkier rock and roll fringes. Uh, reading up on it, apparently, in the very first less musicy version of Grease, it was more of a play than a musical, um, there was much more swearing, but that got stripped out as things progressed. Um, musical horizons had started to broaden genetically between the sort of classic 50s rock and roll and then the 70s rock and roll and other popular music that had merged out of the sort of wildness of the 60s. Um, so, for me, the freedom of being given a uh, a chord symbol to play from rather than a set of notes. Um, luckily, by that point, I was quick enough to translate the chord symbol to something real at my fingers. Um, sometimes there would have been a bass line written out and the occasional fix, you know, we like this particular figure here, please. And you end up building up a bunch of tricks as to what you can do with, with that. Um, and being allowed or even enabled to solo... Uh, you know, you've got to learn, you've got to know when to kick off and when to ease back. It was a world apart from the, I don't know, the Mozart or the Beethoven or whoever it was that was looming over me in those early years of piano lessons. Um, and as well as rock and roll, I started to get more into jazz, more widely. Uh, I spent my weekends as a teenager off and about with school jazz band and my own little jazz band that me and my friends set up um, I think the appeal was the f- the freedom, you know. We could make the music our own. Okay. Um, around the same time, so it would have been around the year 2000, um, I quite literally found myself on stage with Steve Bonham and our old friend Tim Gadsby um, at a, a mini-festival evening celebrating the summer solstice and the the, the new millennium um, in our home village, uh, and I and I had been volunteered to play rock and roll or whatever else we'd call it, you know, folk country, whatever else it was, with Steve and Tim. And I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we'd had a rehearsal before the day. I think I just turned up in the afternoon and we got started. I don't think I'd ever been sent a song list. It was sort of a bit of a trial by fire, really. But the easygoing attitude from Steve and particularly Tim. I mean laid back he was horizontal Um, and my approach back then was rather oh well sod it what's the worst that can happen it still is Um, we just got on with things Um, I was very lucky if we knew what key we were going to be in eventually I had to learn to go around the curve balls that either Steve or Tim would throw me hey this one's in F or hey he means it's in D when in reality it was probably in G um, but that's another here or there. Um, for many years, we, me and Steve, and Tim had a bunch of fun playing rock and roll, blues, whatever we liked, really making it our own. Um, none of us were uh, ever we God, We were never sticklers for reproducing the recorded version. We were, we you know, we'd find chord sheets, perhaps, but essentially, we wanted to put our mark on it. Um, over time, we led us to recording and releasing some albums with that band. We called Doctor Big Love. Uh, which are actually still out there on Spotify today, if you're so inclined. Um, we still do get listens from around the world. It's astonishing, really. Um, skip forward ten years or so, and Steve and I are back making music together again. Uh, we sort of went back to Steve's old folk roots from the 80s, and, uh, but we were writing some new material as well. Um, and then John Humphreys joined us. Um, oh. Originally fiddle and squeeze box and things, but again, eventually moved to more sort of guitar-y, y kind of thing, banjo. He accidentally said he played the banjo, and as soon as you've got a banjo in the neighbourhood, you, your sound world just changes. Um, and without really realising it, Steve and I had started to find ourselves back in that sort of jazzy, bluesy world of American music. It had always been there, but we just needed some time to find it and, you know, sort of scratch at that itch a bit, I guess. Um... Kev joined us and kick started more songwriting and the world that the Long Road now inhabits is pretty fully fledged, I guess. Um I play piano and tuba on the Long Road tracks, sometimes both at the same time, thanks to the magic of multi-track recordings. Um, I'm I've yet to attempt to play piano and tuba at physically at the same time, but you never know. Um as a you know, as a pianist, give me a story, give me a landscape, give me a vision to create, I'm a I'm, I'm a happy man. Uh, give me the chords as well if you can. By all means, write it out. You mean, you know, tell me if it's in F or D. I mean, it's probably really in G, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, we'll we'll get to the bottom of it soon enough. Um, uh, I, can't, I, I can't remember who said this, but I'd, I'd agree with this quote. The piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colours in your mind. Now, Steve and me have written songs together for about 15 years or so, I guess. And so many are born out of me just idly twiddling away at something between songs at rehearsal or in some, you know, downtime at the studio. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing to create something from nothing. Um, out of nowhere, a song can sometimes just sort of happen. Um, there are loads of great pianists and musicians at the theatre who have influenced me. A lot of them probably stemming from the jazz world, for sure. Um, Duke Ellington, Fance Waller, Oscar Peterson, Herbie Hancock, Thelonious Monk who apparently was once described as the elephant on the keyboard, which I quite like. Uh, And I didn't find this out until today, but Thelonious Monk's middle name was Sphere, which I think is amazing. Who else? Uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Nina Simone, Ray Charles, Count Basie, uh, Henry Mancini, uh, in particular Peter Gunn* soundtrack, which actually had John Williams of Star Wars fame playing piano on it you know, more modern era, Dudley Moore or Nora Jones, Diana Crawl. There was an album by Diana Crawl that I, uh, for some work I did years ago, I ended up listening to it over and over again. Um, Jules Holland, you know, two of the big names for me. One has been around for a long time, uh, and one has only really entered my consciousness in the last few years, but they're, they're linked, one influenced the other. So there's this chap called Professor Longhair, known as Fess, uh, and... If you, you Google him, he's just such an influence on so many sort of jazz, blues, New Orleans musicians and pianists in the 20th century. Um, somebody said about New Orleans that it was such a unique gumbo and Fess soaked up all the stuff around him and poured it back out, back, back out again. His his piano playing was gutsy and bold and human, but you could find a lightness of touch when needed. Um, somebody said, I, I can't... Pandas today uh, a beautiful mind as well as rough and ready um, and I quite like like that moments of beauty but also able to kick it when you need to um, and loads of piano players in the mid 20th century onwards would claim to sometimes play a la fest um, so that leads me to the second person one such person who would claim some a la festness is Dr John uh, with his trademark hat obviously um, d- despite being known for having some funny influences you know Voodoo ceremonies or medicine shows, or whatever. Um, in interviews, he always seems to come across as quite, quite a sober, quite quiet person. Um, but he's the same as really a melting pot of styles and influences that then become his own. Um, his biggest hit, you know, you probably don't hear a nose of him playing piano on it. Uh, right place, wrong time. It's much more about the guitars and the funky brass than. Wild piano playing. In fact, he said he always wanted to be a guitarist. Um, I mean, it's fun stuff, but uh, but it's seventies melting pot through and through. Um, I think Doctor John he made it onto a Disney soundtrack a few years ago. The Princess and the Frog, I think it was. Uh, a, a new song written by Randy Newman, Down in New Orleans, um, and it's good fun. You know, it's the it's a New Orleansy style of piano playing um, for sure. Uh, but it feels a bit sort of Doctor John sanitised to get past the uh, the Disney censors. Though um, you know most of Doctor John's piano playing, there's a sort of a wildness to it and a sticking up of two fingers at what is expected of you as a pianist. Uh, and that chimes with me. You know, I've said it a few times already. Make it your own. Um, I mean, there's there's loads of stuff on YouTube. Doctor John, so g- go and search out Google Doctor John. Uh, Check out Professor Longhair as well, Fess. There's so there's so much stuff out there, um, and it's there's a both of them have got a fizz and a humanity about their playing which is just astonishing, um, and I think uh, I think most artists would say they stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, Dr. John definitely says that Fess is one of the giants that he stands on the shoulders of. Um, both of them are from New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, someone once described that place as the most delicious musical gumbo, uh, and that's sort of that's where I'm coming from piano-wise. Uh, and I'm lucky that in the long road, I get to play piano and tuba and make the stuff of my own, our own. Um, now, for me, the long road stuff has sort of a few features that are common to many of the songs. There's there's a, there's a, an earthy richness with the guitars and banjos. It's always got some heart with the lyrics. It's telling a story. Um, resonant and fertile with many voices layered up together um, an expansive painting of the landscapes um, the music evokes hopefully times and places gone by or times and places that are yearning to be found again or at the very least not forgotten about um, so I've picked out a few of the highlights of my favourite bits from the new albums and um, The two albums are The Girl With Rattlesnake Heart and Reliance. Um, And this stuff really has got some heart and soul in it. It's crafted with time and care um, uh, and channelling and condensing so many of all of our influences from me, Steve, John and Kev into the 22 songs over the two albums. The eagle-eyed of you who've watched the Girl with a Rattlesnake Heart music video on YouTube, you might have noticed I don't necessarily do a huge amount on the piano in that one. Um, it's just my left hand that did anything in that one. Um, but I think we made the right decision in the studio. We kept it simple. The whole song, I think, sounds bigger, more expansive with these long, low notes. They open out the, the sort of landscape horizons of the songs and uh, hopefully paints a picture in your mind. Um, Putting some chords in the middle or high up would have made it seem smaller. Um, now Stuart Jones at Woodworm Studios, where we were recording all this stuff, he just about read my mind. When he did whatever the heck he did in that, the break in the last verse, um, some clever reverse piano, something or other, it really gives it a fizz. Uh, and it's it's what I had in my head, uh, and he made it real. So thanks, Alan Stuart. So this is The Girl with the Rattlesnake Heart. I won't say nothing, I will lock it away. Keep on a harden it till my judgment day. me and steve um it's called one i loved before uh uh, it started with just nice sort of simple piano chords setting the the landscape for the words to sit on top of and the the one of the things i love the most the color the resonator part the dobler part that john puts on it just absolutely transports you to this world we're trying to create um and actually in the studio Kevin and I had a veritable ball with Stuart the engineer recording the layers of vocals it's so much fun and the sickle and the skin and knife are covered up with rust but you're not the Do it again. Uh, I really love this re- recording this one. Uh, and good on the boys for encouraging me to try some different things on this one. Um, I'm not going to put a sample here, but, you know, dig it out, look it up, uh, if, you, if you fancy something a little bit wild. Um, next up, it's Wayfaring Stranger. I um, uh, love the sound world we created on this one. Just big up to Stuart for his... Well, there was a moment the studio, of guys. I've got an idea. Bear with me, um, and w- an idea of what you could do with the piano sound to make it give it this sort of huge, ethereal, wispy sort of floating sound along the top. Uh, it's just, I just love it. And <laughs> coupled that with the vocal effect, it's just, uh, just, it's just great. Um, so this this song, it's a you know, it's a traditional song. It's always uh, done a version of it, um, but it's got all those long rope features rich land of voices, the landscape is taking you to time and places, it's a great one. Uh, Sally and Blue Flames I just love the song, it's a great song Uh, and I love playing the piano on it 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 just falls so nicely under the fingers as long as we do it in A if we ever did it in B flat I'd I'd be done for Um, one of the things I love is the the tension and release of the part that chugs along for a few bars quite intensely then releases the listener back to calmer waters it's it's, it's hard to describe in words so I'll just play the the sound You won't talk of me no more But sometimes in the night when she turns out the light I hope she can recall in the days before the fall When she took me dancing through the rhythm of that long long, and lonesome night I thought I'd just pick up a few other songs, but I seem to be talking about every single one here. Um, there's some I just can't not talk about. Um, another favourite for me is Maybe I'm Just a Man, the most sort of brazenly jazzy one on the albums. Um, this quite literally started out with me idly fumbling away at some chords on the piano in the studio, and Steve's eyes light up and he points at the piano and says, "That, nah, keep that, we can do something with that. Um, I think... I've had, unless I'm misremembering, Stuart went out for literally an hour um, and when he came come back we'd virtually had the song in shape and the melody done and, um, and to most the final song isn't much more complicated than that it's, um, it's just piano bass and vocals on, in the final version I think uh, and it's it, I think it's really neat Well bless my soul So there you are You're looking Did you travel far? You ain't got long Well I know I understand I took off east Along the beaten trail Chased some gold I was bound to fail Let it slip away Those grains of time just like sand As the day slips in To that neon eve the A glancing mention for No Particular Blues, I love this quirky number. Um, I got to channel some sort of Muppetsy, cartoony piano playing. Nothing outrageous by any means, just sort of subtly subversive perhaps, which, if any of you know, the Leiden family... It's just about precisely how we like things to be. I love that one. Um, Speaking of subversive, cartoony piano playing, if you want a good chuckle, by all means, seek out the opening of You Never Can Tell. The whole song, if you like. The opening makes me just snigger thinking about it. Um, You know something good is coming along if it has that kind of opening. Um, And when we do it live, I say, good luck to Steve, who has to sing all those words at the breakneck pace that that we play this one at. Um... The last song I'll talk about—it's probably the most significant from the long road point of view. Um, it's called "A Beautiful Broken Dream." Um, I think this was a big turning point in the project for us. Steve had pff, idly said in the studio one day, "You know, how about we do a do a song that's a bit like song X or about song Y? I mean, right now I can't for the life of me remember what those two songs were—song X and song Y, song Y. But I, I sort of I had a listening. I got one sort of key feature from each of them. One key feature was the sort of 12-8 feel to the whole song. I I can't remember what the other feature was, but there was definitely another one that we um, absorbed. Um, And not long after that, we had the start of Beautiful Broken Dream, uh, and Steve went away with it for a few days and wrote the lyrics, and we we sort of zoomed out, and we could see that this whole gone-to-look-for-America project starting to sort of emerge... I think about it, this must have been around the time that Steve was going to do his track Through America. Um, Perhaps I'm misremembering, but I think it was. And we could just about... We could see how the book and the songs we were writing were all sort of fitting together into a bigger jigsaw Um, about this song in particular. Originally, we thought it was going to be much bigger, like huge drums and percussions and this anthemic chorus, sort of loads and loads of voices. Um... But actually, when we worked on it, we realised it needed to be more simple. It needed more just soul to it. Um, and we stripped things back and we kept it simple at the core. Storytelling. Uh, and we're pretty pretty darn pleased with the result. Again, for me, it sums up the sort of the long road sound for me. This expansive, spacious, with lyrics at the heart of it and layers of voices. Um, so this is a little snippet from A Beautiful Broken Green. You can tear my heart out But why take all the rest? Hear my people crying. Now I've been rambling on forever, so I'm going to stop soon, but final mention must be made to two significant piano players from my childhood, without whom it's very likely I wouldn't be where I am today, and I just wouldn't be the pianist I am today. They were shining lights for me back when I was a child, uh, and they continue to be so now in adulthood. So from The Muppet Show, Rolf, and Dr Teeth from The Electric Mayhem, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm going to leave you with this final thought, attributed to Tom Waits, I think, for those of you who, who have heard me play live over the years, especially back in our home village, the piano has been drinking, not me. Well, um, that's it for this week's episode of the Long Road Podcast. You've probably had quite enough of listening to me for for one podcast. Um, Episode five will be released in two weeks' time on Friday the 9th of November 2018. Um, As I record this, uh, episode four, Steve is currently out in the the wilds of New Mexico on his latest adventure. Um, He sends me the occasional update and audio snippet and puts some pictures up on Facebook. Um, The topic of the next podcast will be Adventures in Golden Dust, stories from Steve's New Mexico travels. Um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Hopefully, you'll find us there. Um, you can check out past episodes from The Long Road on vagabondphilosopher.com. Follow us on Twitter. Steve is on Steve Bonham one I'm on Das Chris Leiden. Um, Kev is on More Music. Uh, and John's not on Twitter yet. Find Steve Bonham on Facebook to connect with us there, and you can see our videos and other bits and bobs. Um, you can listen to full tracks from the albums on Spotify, and you can buy the complete albums, The Girl with a Rock Snake, Heart and Reliance, and Steve's new book, A Beautiful Broken Dream, at vagabondphilosopher.com. Uh, and remember, if you buy the book, you get a code that gets you 10 free track downloads as well, so you can build your own album. Uh, And you get to give your friend a code that gives them 10 free tracks to download as well, so you can spread the love. Uh, Thanks once again for listening, and the journey with The Long Road continues in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.